in the world, you can bet on that, ain't here. It's putting nobody down but pound for pound, I'm the best around. I'm the middleweight champ at 163, you gotta be bad to hang with me. You gotta rock it with the jock, I like a boot on the dock, I pop a dock and do the boogaloo too. Ooh, pop a doo, bang a lang a loo, I got tons and tons of fun for you. Ooh, pop a dock, pop a got a shock, pop a got a rock, a mama good. Got a rock around the dock, a mama jam, pop a dock, a bang the boom, tang, tang, real good. Yuck, this is Jack in the back of the scene with a rap machine Said, dip, dip, bam, check, got this bad jam Got to holler my loud and clear, party is over here Do it on the sofa, do it on the chair, do it on the roof, it's good up there Do it in the kitchen, do it in the hall, do it in the closet, up against the wall Shake your buns by the tongue, sit the beat the drums, turn your boom tank loose and have big fun Great! With the ooga sooga ooga, this is the jock and I'm talking to you. What I got should be against the law. I can suck to you, mama, make you scream for more. Senses rating me double X after you, mama, your sister's legs. I make your knees freeze, back crack, liver quiver. You like it like that. I'm the ace from outer space, the boss bun shaker, any place. I got a big bad radar beam, guaranteed to make you scream. I'm clean. Of health. Ain't got dime, but I represent well. I got fine vines hanging on the line. Gucci made my boots. Only Cassini at Bill Blast stitched my three piece suits. My underwear, let me make this clear. This custom made to a T. Everything, baby, everything, baby, it looks so good on me. Take a look, take a look. Bad enough to be in the history books. To the rubber dum dum, check out where I'm coming from. When I was born, they took a look at me. They said, Good God, you see what I see? Called all the nurses and the doctors, too. They all agreed this can't be true. Mama was shocked, Papa was proud, screamed so loud he drew a crowd. My baby's a man, can you understand? My baby's a man, can you understand? Years went by and they showed it flying. I was grown before I knew it. I lined the girls up on the wall, tried to get to them all, but one of them said, I blew it. That you're gonna take time when I've been in the line So come back here and do it Jocko, Jocko, you're the king Best in the world when I do my thing Break it down, shake it down, take it down Put it around, do it good in every time Now do it, do it Find a little piece and do it Have you met Miss Lee, whose first name is Doug? Looks a little worse than the beetle bug It's ugly, I'm happy to say You can't get in the dude in the USA It ain't how you look, it's what's inside That'll hook up the dude, make a go for the ride You don't have to be a beauty queen Just know what to do with the radar beam I got the boot night And it's just right Shake your buns with it, mama For the rest of the night You gotta rock up the jack Like a boot on the dock A pop a dock and do the boogaloo too Oop-a-ka-doo, bang-a-lang-a-loo I got tons and tons of fun for you Oop-a-ka-doo, pop got a shot pop got the rock mama good Gotta rock around the rock mama jam pop a dock bang the boom boom tang real good Marks they ever did see. I got a dip in my hip and glide my slide. Make no mistake, I'm overqualified. I got a B, A degree from Thunder from University. I got my master's and my PhD from Freak Out University. Take a look, take a look. Bad enough to be in the history book. This qualifies me to be the best bun shaker you ever did see. Right, Google Google with the Uber so Google. This is the doc and I'm still talking to you. I know mommy, yo. Legs like a bird, listen real good and you get the word. Don't ask for legs, that ain't what you do. The other parts you can suck it to. Seek, you 
shall find fun to shake a whole blow your mind. The cost of living is sky high. You wonder how you're going to make it. You heave aside, buck fell and pry. You wonder how long you can take it. The price of heat and oil will make you bald. Food took a hell of a jump. At the supermarket checkout, when you get your bill, you feel like a stupid chump. With the price of pork, forget about lamb. Shake your bun, shake your bun, do the best you can. You need a loan from the bank. Fill up your tank with the dollars fly behind the pumps. They stop you up without a gun. Dump. Right, Google Booger with the Ooga Sooga Booga. This is Jock and I'm talking to you. Jocko, Jocko, what you got? I got the button shaking part of this bound to rock. Do it in the bathtub, do it in the shower. Do it on the job if you work by the hour. Do it when you sing, do it when you walk. You do it better when you talk that talk. Do it on the speaker, do it on the train. I did it with my hooks on Pan Am plane. Shake your buns by the guns to the beat of the drums. Turn your Tank loose and have big fun, but shake it this way to go. Get on your bar, get set, go. Oop, pop the dip for a hip dip. Get a stone fox with rhythm in the box, better than golden fox. Come with me, baby, you'll feel the thrill. I'm on my way to freak out there. I got something to lay on you. You'll scream for your mama and the police, too. You'll like it. You'll like it for sure. Make no mistake, a dicker, you'll be back for more. You better read my label, cause I'm hundred proof. When the juice gets loose, it'll blow you through the roof. Don't care if I do die. Wanna see the juice fly. Birds do it and fly. Cats do it and cry. I do it cause I'm used to it. Lead me to it, I love to do it. No, see, can't be fun. Do your thing, baby, get the job done. Do it on your roller skates. Do it wherever you are. To know you're rapping crowd with all Ruda, little Fozard Buddha. I'm all through talking to you. Jocko, Jocko, where you been? I've been round the world and back again. By now, gotta say ciao. to CITR FM 102, Kiba 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And it's time right now for the Nardward Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard right there from 1979, Philadelphia, Jocko Henderson with Rhythm Talk. And speaking of Philadelphia, today, two interviews with Questlove from The Roots. The first interview with Questlove from 2013 and the second interview from 2019 also appearing in the 2019 interview is Black Thought from The Roots today Philadelphia on the Nardwar the Human Serviette radio show two interviews with Questlove of The Roots so right now this is an interview with Questlove of The Roots from 2013 on the Nardwar to Human Serviette radio show. And coming up right after this, an interview 
from 2019 with Questlove on the Nardwar to Human Serviette Radio Show. Who are you? Who am I? Can we go back to your theme song while I think about it? You are Questlove. Yes, I am Questlove. That's exactly who I am. I'm Questlove. Welcome to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Thank you, Nartwar. I've been waiting for this moment for a long, long time. And I have a gift for you to welcome you to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Right here, a Motor Town Review poster. <laughs> is, this, is this the jackpot moment of, for you, like when you catch us all off guard? Because right now I've been prepping myself like, I'm not going to get caught. I don't care what he pulls. He can pull Michael Jackson back from the dead. No, I'm not going to get... Yo, this to me, oh my, oh, yo, Willie, wait, what'd you find? <laughs> yo, I hate when you do this. I love when you do this, but I, uh, man, this. Now, please, could you explain, what are you laughing at? The ventriloquist right off the bat. Willie Tyler and Lester. It, this is, I mean, to me. I'm, okay, I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna explain to them why this is important to me. Um, I mean, first of all, it's historical, and it's also good to look at. Um, but the the type of world that I am involved in now, I am often the epicenter of review shows like this. Like, you know, this summer I'm gonna I'm gonna back up on the Fourth of July, different luminaries from all walks of life, and. Like, to me, the Motortown Review is one of the greatest, like, review shows ever. Like, simply because, like, you get an array of, of, of different stars. And, God, Willie Tyler and Lester. I mean, they thought of everything. They have comedians, pop acts, young upstarts. You know, the Contours and Gladys Knight and the Pips. I mean, and Stevie Wonder headlining. And... This is amazing. You managed to stump me. You normally wait like four questions in, and then you get the sucker punch. But you you just came you came in instantly from the top, which shocking me. Yes, this means a lot. Wait, can is this mine? That is yours to keep Questlove. Okay, good because normally you won't be giving shit away. I'm just saying. <laughs> I, I just got a brand new house. This is going up, and I'm gonna frame this baby. And thank you. I appreciate this. I'm so excited you like it. First off, though, I want to ask you, Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder and the Cosby Show got you into sampling, right? Absolutely. Um, many people in the hip-hop world, uh, when they were, you know, the, the, the classic era of beat making, many consider the episode in which Stevie Wonder, uh, his, the, Stevie Wonder's driver, uh, accidentally hits Denise Huxtable and Theo Huxtable on the highway. First, I was amazed at the restraint of the Cosbys. You could tell they really weren't from Brooklyn because an average Brooklyn family would have thought, hmm, I can get money out of this. Stevie Wonder hit my child? Anyway, <laughs> so you know the Cosbys really weren't from Brooklyn. Um, but when they Stevie Wonder lets them come to a recording session uh, and kind of introduces the idea of a sampler where they all said a particular word, uh, Denise said, I don't know what to say. Vanessa said her boyfriend's name, Robert. Rudy said, ah. 
because she thought that's the noise that a giraffe makes. Bill Cosby, uh, Dr. Huxtable had to go deliver a baby. And uh, Claire Huxtable did la. And the most famous of all the outbursts was Theo Huxtable's uh, line, if he ever comes into a party, he says, jamming on the one. Like, ooh, this party's really great. Jamming on the one. It, it's, 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 oh, God. See, now Malcolm thinks that I'm, I'm making fun of him. But anyway, yeah, so Stevie Wonder sampled all these things in a sampler. And then uh, we were begging our parents to get us toy samplers, the Casio SK-1, of which, you know, you say little curse words here and there. You know, no one's looking. Shit, 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 Every other Chris word. And then uh, one day I figured, well, why not try music? And then I would sample music, and that's what really reeled me into hip-hop culture, uh, my first sampler. Thank you, Stevie Wonder. Yes. And the Cosbys. And looking over here some more, I have something else to point out to you. Who do we have there? Bobby Taylor. And the Vancouver's. Yeah, and it's spelled correctly. Yes. Bobby Taylor, who discovered Michael Jackson. Yes, Bobby Taylor discovered the Jackson 5. Now that you agree with me that hip-hop Ground Zero started in Vancouver, can you please give some credit, Bobby Taylor and the Vancouver's, for helping discover Michael Jackson? Yes. Look, you, you have always... You take more pride in your city than any other historian I've ever known repping their particular city. You rep Vancouver... Better than other rappers rep their areas. Like, I've learned... I even got involved in that Apache documentary because you really... I mean, you really made it known the history that Vancouver's played in music. But yeah, Bobby Taylor, uh, haven't seen the Jackson 5 in their Chitlin circuit days of playing, you know, contest at the, 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 the Uptown, the Regal, the... the um, the Apollo Theater takes the Jackson 5 to Motown Records. Actually, this woman, Gladys Knight, also takes credit for the same thing. Uh, and, of course, Barry Gordy, being the mastermind, said that it's better if we give it to Dinah Ross because she's the bigger name out of all of you. And uh, so she presented the Jackson 5. But Bobby Taylor and Gladys Knight kind of both are tugging of war with the credit of who brought the Jackson 5 to life first. But you rip Philly pretty good, and Questlove, Philly graffiti, Curl, Cool Earl and Cornbread. Yes. Wait, how do you know this? How do you know? Well, I was fascinated. We have to know. You're Questlove. But I was curious. Cool Earl and Cornbread, is it true that they tagged the Jackson 5's jet and an elephant at the zoo? How, how do you know this? I've heard this legend, but wait, how do you even know of the legend? How do you know? Like, You rep Philly. I have to know about Philly because you rep Philly. Could you explain? This is pretty amazing. Philly graffiti, cool, Earl, and cornbread. Yes, I've, I've, I've heard the legend of these two luminary graffiti artists from the Philadelphia area uh, actually tagging, you know, various uh, landmarks. In there. I mean, there were certain graffiti artists that, had dreams of getting their tags on famous landmarks. 
uh, I've heard about this Jackson 5 thing. I didn't know if it was true or not. It is true? I've heard it been verified as true, and also I've heard they tagged an elephant at the zoo. What do you think about that? That I didn't know. (laughs) I believe it, because Philly, um, we've actually, you know, managed to turn around. It's funny that you mentioned graffiti culture. Graffiti culture, more than DJ culture in Philly, was was world famous. Um, Also world famous in Philly was their first anti-graffiti network, which is basically how Black Thought who is an expert at this stuff, uh, he he's a walking Smithsonian of graffiti writers from Philadelphia. Um, he once got uh, caught tagging uh, Philadelphia walls and had to work at the Anti-Graffiti Network. Now, cut to 20 years later, that being a punishment of sorts, now Tariq and I are sort of the ambassadors of the Philadelphia Art Mural. Now Philadelphia has one of the... Philadelphia's managed to turn all the graffiti artists that it once rehabbed in terms of punishment and cleaning these walls into now being, uh, like, art representatives and doing, like, murals, like these really beautiful murals. All over. We have the most murals of any city in the United States in Philadelphia. Like, there's over 4,000... I didn't know there was 4,000 walls in Philadelphia, let alone big, giant murals. So, yeah, I've heard, I've heard the legend of that that Jackson 5. I did not know about the elephant. So, once again, you have educated me onto something I didn't know, and I will go and meticulously research this. Questlove, you've got a lot of your education in record stores, and I heard that Portland, Oregon is very special to you. What was the name of the record store that began it all? Wasn't there a record store in Portland that began it all for Questlove when he really got into record collecting from? What was the name of that store? The name of that store is a place called Jump Jump in Portland, Oregon, which, you know, uh, my good friend Ryan from Portland, uh, you know, I, I had no expectations for Portland. But what I soon discovered was that not only did Portland have more strip clubs per capita, fun fact, uh, but the amount, the staggering amount of used record stores uh, was mind-blowing. And the fact that they really didn't catch on to the market value of what these records were worth. In other words, you know, let a luminary like Jay Dilla or Pete Rock or someone sample in a rap song and then an average dealer knows like oh i can now sell this record for 25 bucks because the value is going up not so much in portland portland would let me have a galt mcdermott record for 3.99 and a eugene mcdaniel's record okay you just give me a nine bucks for it it's cool you know you go to japan and that eugene mcdaniel's record's like 450 bucks so, uh, of my 77,000 records in Philadelphia, I'll say a good 30 or 40% of those records came from Portland, Oregon. Specifically, my man Dan at Jump Jump, who was one of the greatest record boutiques uh, in my lifetime. I've, I've taken many, many purchases. Like, I've went digging with... I took Zach De La Rocha there once when we were on tour with Rage Against the Machine. I took so many people to, to, to Portland. Slum Village there. Like, I took a lot of people there to get their records. 
taking it back to Philly Questoff, you can put that poster down. I wanted to ask I wanted to ask you here about Chaco. Philly Philly old school. Chaco, no, man. You do not have you Oh my god, you Where the hell do they find you at, man? Oh my god, you got rhythm taught by Jocko. Jocko will also treat you good. Oh my god. Okay. Jocko Henderson is, I won't even say a self proclaimed. I will give him credit. He is, he's the first MC. The first uncredited MC. Um, he was a personality from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, who uh, was very jazzy. He was coming from a jazz standpoint. He didn't have hip-hop mentality because hip-hop really was invented in the 50s. But the idea of, ooh, pop a and how do y'all do? I'm seeing what the breakfast scene, and I'm taco, and, 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 and he, he would have a special rhythmic prose about his delivery. Everything was in a rhyme, and his new James Brown right on time. He had like a lot of pizzazz, and you know his intonation was perfect. Uh, so, about a month after Rapper's Delight came out, which one could sort of say that Wonder Mike's first line is rather derivative of Jocko Henderson. Jocko Henderson would would have been a person that could have said, "I said a hip hop, a hip to the hip and a hip hip pop. You don't stop the rock to the bang bang boogie, up top the boogie to the rhythm of the boogie dee you, you hear how jazzy that sounds? So, a month later, Rhythm Talk comes out. Uh, rhythm Talk, the backdrop was "Ain't No Stopping Us Now," um, a song about upward mobility, but really had a killer, killer, killer baseline. And um, God, Jocko Henderson just rhymes. Listen to the bad chant. Hop, somebody shout loud and clear. Party is over here. Do it in the kitchen. Do it in the hall. Do it like a ball. And up against the wall. And then hop, top, top. I've not heard this in 34 years. So I'm going off of my eight-year-old memory. Um, but Rhythm Talk... Uh, Wow, you, 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 you did it! Like I don't think we can do any more interviews in the future because there's no way that you're going to. Again, you would have to bring Michael Jackson back to life. To you probably got. I know you don't got more shit. <laughs> anyway, yes, this means a lot to me. God, how do you know this? Your quest of we have to prepare, but I think there's a connection. Isn't there a connection between you and Jocko? Like, didn't Jocko manage your dad's band for a bit? Yeah. Oh, I, I totally forgot that part. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, the the way that you really got played on the air, uh, on the radio, was you either had to give credit to you know a certain DJ. Um, I mean, you you had to you had to shake hands and kiss babies. This is a game of politics. So Jocko Henderson managed my father's uh, band, Leandro's in the Hearts, his doo-wop band. Um, and, you know, 
kind of being under the, the tutelage of Jocko Henderson, uh, that's how my father got picked to play sop hop, sock hops and, and high schools and colleges and frat houses and local gigs of the day. Um, but, yeah, I, I totally forgot that, you know, aside from being a pioneering DJ and an MC, uh, Jocko Henderson was also <laughs> my dad's manager. It's great to have you here in Vancouver, Questlove, because I'm going to ask you about more Philly groups. This group right here, the Tough Crew. What can you tell the people about Tough Crew? They were very tough. All right, now I've got to put the poster down. What I find is interesting is Tough Crew did a split with the Crone Rulers, right? The Crown Rulers, yes. They had an album called Fan Jam. And Kick the Ball connects to you, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, Kick the Ball is kind of how me and Tariq connected. Uh, the Tough Crew... Uh, split studio costs with an, an, another local jersey, which is kind of between the Philly. So I guess like the relationship that Vancouver would have to maybe Seattle. That's kind of how like Philly and Jersey were. Camden and Philly, except it was much closer. Uh, so they released a record, an EP called Fan Jam. Side one was Tough Crew and their four songs. Side two was Crown Rulers and their four songs. And the uh, seminal favorite was a song called Kick the Ball, which sampled Bill Summers, or not Bill Summers, which sampled uh, the Headhunters' God Made Me Funky breakbeat. But we didn't know that Herbie Hancock's Headhunters made a song called God Made Me Funky, uh, which you know would have been hiding in my father's record collection, but I didn't know it at the time. So we just naturally called that beat Kick the Ball. And so the way that Tariq and I sort of connected in high school was that he heard me playing the God Made Me Funky Breakbeat, and he instantly ran up like, yo, that's kick the ball. And I was like, no, nah, that's, that's the Headhunters, you know, uh, God Made Me Funky. He said, no, nah, man, that's kick the ball. I was like, huh? And then I sort of put two and two together that what he knows as a sample, I just knew as something from my dad's record collection. And so thus began our relationship. So then he'd run down and say, yo, play Raw. And then I'd have to play Hot Pants, I'm Coming by Bobby Bird. And then he'd have to say, yo, play Top Billing. And then I'd have to play Impeach the President by the Honey Trippers. And that, that's how our relationship became. Like To him, it was such, he was just absolutely amazed that someone was able to recreate in, in human time what he hears on the radio. So... You know, he he called like he called girls at night, and on three way called me up to impress them. Like, yo yo, run run downstairs. I'm be like, yo man, it's too late for me. It's ten o'clock at night. My dad's gonna kill me. Yo yo man, just look real quick. Play play the bridge by MC Shan. And that yo, you there, Kenyatta? Yeah, I'm here. All right, yo, play it real quick. And then of course I had to run downstairs into the basement and play the bridge on the drums. And they'd be like all impressed. Like, damn, he not play the bridge by MC Shan. So. That's our relationship. But the Tough Crew, this is, you know, one of the classic, classic Philly groups. DJ Too Tough, um, an expert cutter, uh, white DJ. Uh, really was unheard of back then, like in 1987. Like, whoa, your DJ's a white boy? Can he get down? And he, he was incredible. Um, not to mention, even though... Um, Ice Dog is is rocking gazelles here, like this is this is the Philly look. Even though the beard is missing, this beard I'm representing, 
like these sort of gazelles, these hammer gazelles, that is that is this is quintessential Philly right here. This this is amazing. You're you're on your A game. Questlove, got some other things to ask about right from Philly here. Was this the first record ever to get banned of the rap persuasion? MC. You have Disco Bob later. <laughs> oh my God. Not only do you have Discombobulator Boobulator, but you freaking have the original. Pre- Yo, you have the original pressing of it. Like. I want to, my God, my God. The singing MC Breeze. You've had him on stage. The singing MC Breeze is, um, if you're, if you were a fan of the Hammer Empire, let's go to 1990. Hammer had a, uh, 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 a solo artist named Joey B. Ellis, who did a song called Go For It. Which was featured in... Rocky Five. Rocky Five, Yeah, Rocky Five. Before Joey B. Ellis was Joey B. Ellis, he was the singing MC Breed. And his talent was that he was from Philadelphia, and he could sing and also rap. Which, at the time, you know, another Canadian we know can sing and rap also. Uh, nameless. But... You know, this was a novelty back in 1986. Um, also notable in this very original, this hard-to-find, almost priceless artifact of a 12-inch. Um, when he did later pressings, he did without the yellow and black artwork. But um, basically, Schoolie D and... Uh, Schoolie D and MC Breeze would have the same sort of artwork. They would do this yellow and black motif and kind of graffiti style. Uh, his was Breeze Records, whereas uh, I think Schoolie D was Schoolie D Records. And both records sort of looked the same. They did, like, graffiti on them. Um, Discombobulator Boobulator uh, was a, a narrative that kind of caught the ear. This was a massive hit in Philadelphia, but then um, one Lorraine Ballard Morrow, the... Asian news correspondent. I sound like I'm on the family guy. Our Asian news correspondent, Lorraine Ballot Moore of Power 99, uh, was highly offended at his uh, rather uh, extreme views on purchasing uh, Chinese food uh, using a lot of uh, stereotypes. Uh, so subsequently, this record got banned. And then went just went out of print. Uh, it's it's it is offensive. Uh, still deemed a classic, and this is extremely priceless. And how in God's name did you find this? We have to find it for Questlove. Oh my! I I just can't believe I'm holding this because I've I've had other versions, but it's reissued. He cleaned up. You know, it's sort of like the Rick Ross of his day. Like he cleaned up the lyric. And now, you know, the version that we all have is sort of the 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 uh, the the redone version of Discombobulator Boobulator, but wow. The cool thing to mention is it was on his own record label too. He released it himself. Yeah, on Breeze Records. Well that's what I was saying, that Breeze Records and Schoolie D records was 
that was a Philly thing to sort of have your own label and, you know, your name as your label. I'm, I'm floored, man. I'm... Wow. You're Questlove in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Want to take it back to Philly again? Now, was this the first female LP? Okay, I didn't even look at what you put in my hands. But is this Lady B's to the beat? Yes, it is, indeed. <laughs> this is not Lady B's to the beat. Holy shit, is Lady B's to the beat, y'all. Nick Martinelli, it, oh my God, I'm just, wow. I did not know Nick Martinelli engineered this. That's even more crazier than me holding, this is basically the first rap by a female on wax. Uh, to the beat, y'all. Lady B uh, would educate me and nurture and introduce many a hip-hop classic to me. For uh, between 1980 on WHATAM in Philadelphia, thus moving to Power 99 in 1986, and staying there till 1991, 1990. Um, so, yeah, she, uh, again, once Rapper De- Rapper's Delight came out, uh, it just opened up the floodgates, and she just happened to beat sequence the first female rap group to the punch by releasing a rather post-disco-sounding rap. Rap was post-disco in 79, 80. Um, but the fact that Nick Martinelli was the engineer on this record is mind-blowing to me. Um, now, why is that? Could you explain to the people? No, I mean, Nick Martinelli is a, a famous producer who obviously in 79, 80 must have just been an upstart. I mean, this is the equivalent of me discovering that the engineer on Double Fantasy by John and Yoko Ono was none other than uh, Interscope president uh, Jimmy Iovine. You know, everyone gets their start somewhere. So Jimmy Iovine started off as an engineer. And then he was his executive A&M, and then he started scoring movies like The Breakfast Club and Pretty in Pink. Then he became president of Interscope. So this shows that, you know, uh, yesterday's engineer can be tomorrow's super producer. This is kind of incredible. So, Questlove, from the obscure Philly to maybe the not-so-obscure Philly, what can you tell the people about Larry, Lar, and Cool C? <laughs> Larry Lair. Oh, God. Okay. Can I give you this back? Maybe you could just put it down. I don't want to hold it because I'll never want to give it back. These are, are, yeah, these are, these are priceless artifacts. Um, Wait a minute. You have confused. (laughs) You don't hear Larry. That's what they call me. You have his second. How do you have the second single that didn't make any noise? Made noise in Canada. It made it way up here. You serious? The hell? Larry Lair um, was a part of Philly's second wave. Along with the Tough Crew, there was uh, a posse. I mean, the, the idea of uh, the idea of a collective 
You know, one of the most famous hip-hop collectives, of course, is Native Tongues, a collective of Tribe Called Quest, De La Soul, Jungle Brothers. Philly had their version of their collective, and I believe they called themselves the Legion of Doom, which consisted of uh, Three Times Dope, Steady B. Well, they were called the Hilltop Hustlers, but then they became the Legion of Doom. So back when they were in Hilltop Hustler mode, uh, a part of West Philly that... Hilltop Hustlers would have actually been the thugs that picked up Will Smith and twirled him around and teased him on the basketball court at the top of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Like, they would have been those guys. So Larry Lair was a part of that crew. Um, and Cool C, this is... All right, more than, more than Ice Dog of Tough Crew, this is quintessential Philadelphia. He has his Hilltop Hustlers chain, but he also has his African medallion on. It's like you got to be conscious and street at the same time. Um, he's holding about, I imagine this would be like $3,000. He has a 50 here, <laughs> hundreds there. Uh, and Alpinas. This was a sign, like now when you know someone's from Philly, they have a very full beard like I do. But back then, cool C, his Alpinas. You know, he was trying to emulate what street hustlers, what drug dealers, Philly drug dealers look like. They would wear Alpinas. So when you were, when you wanted to look fly in Philly, this is how you dress. You wore your Dookie Gold group. You wore your cruise name. You had the African medallion for some reason. You had money inside your waist and your pockets. And you had Alpinas. You did not walk around with a velvet apple on your plaid jacket looking like a teacher um cool c unfortunately met uh a horrible not a dem- well yeah the demise of his career he met a, a very untimely halt to his career uh he's uh a connoisseur of money as you see and uh he decided him and his other hilltop hustler brethren uh steady b and him decided that they were going to rob a bank. Steady B was the getaway driver. Cool C was one of the gunmen. The other gunman was a man named Snook Nooker. Snook Nooker. S-N-O-O-K-K-N-U-C-K-A. That's a lot of K's in a name. Snook Nooker. Uh, failed botched robbery attempt. Uh, they are all on death row. Not trying to make light of it. I know my delivery is very dry and whatnot, so it's a little hilarious, but there's nothing funny about uh, the way that they kind of went out. So their demise, we, we even though we kind of looked up to them as the, the older hip-hop generation, I mean, we kind of aim to be the very opposite of this, you know. I wanted this to be a level of cool. Velvet apples, cool. You know, not me letting you know that I have money. Matter of fact, I dress so that people don't think I have money. Questlove, is it true that Hawaiian Punch got you banned from TV? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love records. Because I wasn't allowed to watch TV. Specifically, I wasn't allowed to watch cartoons. 
because one particular animated cartoon got me in a lot of trouble. Um, one of my favorite commercials as a kid gave me a brilliant idea. And what I did was, as a three-year-old, I said, Hey, Mom, come here one second. I said, Mom, come here. No, Mom, come closer. Come closer. Right. Okay. Now, when I say, how about a nice Hawaiian punch, you say, sure. And my mom was like, huh? I said, Mama, listen, I'm going to say, no, you're going to say, I'm going to say, no, no, you're going to ask me, how about a nice, no, I'm going to say, how about a nice Hawaiian punch? And all you say is sure. Just say sure, okay, mom? Mom was like, okay, sure. I said, wait, but just come closer, come closer. Okay, so. How about a nice Hawaiian punch? Bam! I sucker punched the shit out of my mouth. Cut to no more television except for music shows. So, yeah, I got in a lot of trouble for that because they saw me emulating the commercial and they were just like, no, you, you can't. No more TV. So they took it away. And there were two music shows that you were allowed to watch. Those were Soul Train and Saturday Night Live. Technically, I was not allowed to watch Saturday Night Live. The last 15 minutes of Saturday Night Live. Uh, yes. Soul Train came on at 1 in the morning. So they woke me up at 12.45. And, you know, that's when the second song would occur for the musical guest on Saturday Night Live. So I was allowed to watch that. And then the dead sketches, the last-minute sketches, usually Jim Henson stuff. So... Jim Henson, no harm in that. And then at one in the morning, I put the cover on my head and kind of peeked through. Because, again, you're in a very dark house with vermin running around, spiders and cockroaches and sometimes mice. And you're watching um, a gray train, animated train, dance from behind the earth, yelling, The it would scare the mess out of any eight-year-old, but yet I was obsessed with it. So I used to watch Soul Train under a crochet blanket on the couch because that used to scare me, but also thrill me at the same time. So, yeah. You love the Soul Train. The Soul Train, though, also made its way all the way to Chicago, to Chicago. And I have a gift here for you, an article in Rocktober Fanzine all about Soul Train in... Questlove here. Please tell the people. Yo, it's just not gonna cry. I'm not. Hold this for me, please. That's for you to keep. It's an article by Jake Austin all about Soul Train in Chicago. And maybe you could tell me it was pretty rare because Soul Train. Yes, no one. I'm working on Soul Train's book. We cannot find any of the photos from that era. This is very rare. Soul Train started out as a local show in Chicago in a room no bigger than where we are right now. Um, oh, my God, man. The hell. And the fact that 
that what what even means more to me is the font of Rocktober. This is emulated from a fanzine that I was a big fan of called Right On Magazine. Like before the internet, before Huffington Post, before OKPlayer.com. Like when I was a kid, the only way I found out information on my favorite artists were, was in Right On Magazine. So yes, I'm super floored that I'm holding a periodical based on the Chicago period of Soul Train before they went to Los Angeles with a very radical dressing Don Cornelius inside of a room with the original stage, with B.B. With King, of course. But just the fact that this periodical was so clever enough to emulate the freaking write-on, the write-on magazine font. I, I truly believe you could have found Bin Laden 10 years before. he. Could, you can find anything. Like, what stumps you? Like, I know you love the grassy knoll information and stuff like that. Like, what? Like, do you know who really shot Kennedy? Like, what? Well, I found this in Rocktober, which is the greatest fanzine in the world. So I guess I just love the greatest fanzine. I, 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 Damn. All credit goes to Rocktober right there because they educate me up and down. I'm turning Vancouver into my favorite place in the world to get interviewed. Jesus. Like, even the second time when Pharrell did the interview, I was like, I know he's not, Pharrell's not going to be so amazed. God, you, damn. I'm a, yo, I, you live for this. You live for stumping us, man. <laughs> I live for giving joy. I'm so happy that you're excited about this, Questlove. Oh, my God, man. I, like, I, I want to read, read uh, play theme music one second. Let's cut to your theme song. Well, as you look there, I want to ask you about another Philly combo or Philly ties, Freshco. This is not Fresco and Miz. <sighs> Man. This is a DJ. <laughs> it's just a hell. All right. Fresco and Miz. Uh, DJ Miz, who uh, uh, I think he made first place in the DMC champions. Uh Philadelphia is known for its lineage of, of championship DJs. Jazzy Jeff, uh, DJ Cheese, DJ Cash Money, DJ Miz, another another great. Uh, Fresco, uh, also, I believe he won the New Music Seminar MC Battle uh, 1988, I believe. 1988. I'm, 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 again, I'm... Jesus, yes, we don't play. Uh, speed rap. I'm damn. I'm I'm sorry. I'm you. I I'm messed up. I'm this whole interview is messing me up. I'm messed up. But another quintessential Philly. Jeff Cut, rocking the beads. You know, less gold than than before. But they don't play. See, my era of hip hop, everybody's rocking a medallion. I'm rocking apples, but they're <laughs> they're rocking medallions. God, man, I'm sorry, man. You 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 already won the fight with the, the Soul Train thing. I'm I'm just. Well, you're a great hip hop historian, Questlove, and I love asking you stuff. I want to ask you right here about the Rock Steady. 
the rock, the rock steady crew right here. Because you guys brought these out on stage, these guys. Could you explain about the rock steady crew to people? The rock steady crew, one of the greatest b boys. I mean, this is like Ken Swift and 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 Crazy Legs, Baby Love. God, oh damn! I didn't even know that she was represented. Like, they're basically like. They're the ultimate B-boy and B-girl uh, dance crew. Like, they were they were their own they were their own dancers for the ideas of, like, having dancing in your hip-hop performance. I mean, it starts with the B-boys and the B-girls, because like, if they don't respond to the music, then you don't have hip-hop music and hip-hop culture. But um, the Rocksteady crew from New York City... Uh, were some of the baddest dancers, and then eventually they got a a a deal uh, to to rhyme. What year did this come out? This, uh, this should have came out in eighty four, eighty five. I think so. And I was eighty three. Oh my god! So this is like prime Rocksteady crew. Yes. I guess I was curious. You brought them out on stage. Are they a franchise now? Yes, we we brought. I mean, we brought out the Rocksteady crew uh, back in nineteen ninety six when. Uh, we came out like we were just trying to embrace everybody that we looked up to in, you know, in B-Boy history. Uh, funny story about Crazy Legs. For those of you that are um, aficionados of uh, or take to liking to the movie Flashdance, there's a scene where doing that big giant ballet recital at the end that Jennifer Bills is doing uh, to Flashdance with a feeling where she starts up rocking, and then she spins on her back. That ain't Jennifer Bills. That's Crazy Legs. It's great to get all this hip-hop history from you, Questlove, and you're at NYU right now. Yes, I I just finished my first semester at NYU. I'm extremely pleased. I'm happy. My my students seem to like me. Uh, the, The staff seems to like me. I might do it again if time allows. What other hip-hop historians are out there? I know Ninth Wonder is at Harvard, Harvard. and Bun B is at Rice. What other hip-hop historians are out there? There's many. I mean, I I know Michael Eric Dyson was teaching a Tupac course at University of Penn. Um, I actually got an offer yesterday from a uh, a high-level Ivy League school that uh, I it's like two hours away from New York, but I, I couldn't get away from my Fallon duties to really do it justice. Um, but yeah, I'm uh, there. There there are a few hip hop luminaries uh, teaching courses across the country, but I'm honored to do so. Winding up here, Questlove, just have a kind of a group of hip hop records I want to ask wait, you wait, about. Wait, wait. A, a group. I didn't even look. Wait. But the way he always smiles when you turn away and the look of panic in my eyes. Am I the only person that have a panic look in my eye? Because I don't know what is going to happen next. <laughs> okay, something just dropped. But okay, here are a few of these hip hop groups that I want to ask and you about. You notice, I didn't look at what he has. I just want to. All right, good. Just start describing them. Well, right here we have the rapping, the rapping Duke, the ha da ha. Yes, novelty rap at its finest. I know some people are, you know. They feel a certain way about novelty rap, but nobody was from even the notorious big legitimized and validated the rapping Duke. Remember rapping Duke? Da ha da ha. This is the rapping Duke 
as John Wayne. You know what I learned yesterday? I did not know that John Wayne was six foot five. I learned that. Paul Thomas Anderson, thank you, pal. He told me that I did not know that he was that tall. But yes, the rapping Duke was well, not the rapping Duke, but the rapping Duke's character, uh, John Wayne, was six five. I did not know that. And then we have the rapping, the rapping Reverend, the rapping Reverend. You know what? Okay, you on Fantasy Records, you officially. I ain't into that. You've uh, stumped me because. Okay. Pushers and pimps trying to make me stray, serving me death on a silver tray. They get on my nerves, wasting my time, offering me dope, sex, and crime. But I hang tough and I stand up tall. I look at them in the eye and I tell them all Get out of my face, you low down cat. I'm a different breed. I ain't into that. The rapping reverend. I bet you any amount of money he was into that. <laughs> the rapping duke, the rapping reverend. Yes, the rapping duke, the reverend. I, I, you, you've officially st- stumped me because I know nothing about this record. I'm trying to study its history. Wow. This is a long-ass verse. I got to hear this. The rapping duke, the rapping reverend, and we also have Mel Brooks with... Not the rapping Hitler. The Hitler rap. Oh, is this from History of the World? It's from To Be or Not To Be. I did not know about this. I knew about It's Good to Be the King. But I did not... We have ways of making you dance. (laughs) What the hell? This actually came out? In 1983, and Rodney Dangerfield... Is Anne Bancroft? Holy shit, it is Anne Bancroft. Damn, she's young. Well, she was young then. But go ahead. Give me I this. guess what I was wondering is Mel Brooks did the Hitler rap. Rodney Dangerfield did rap and, rap, rap and Rodney. Yeah, rap. And it was like an 83. Are these guys hip-hop pioneers? Like 83, that's pretty early, isn't it? Well, you know, I remember the history of the world, the scene where the, the Sultan is, is listening to Funky Town on the boombox. Uh, Mel Brooks's first rap record was uh, It's Good to Be the King, which came out in the... I think 1980, because then Sylvia Robinson, president of Sugar Hill Records, who incidentally, I'm going to take her niece's word for it. I knew that when Sylvia Robinson was Mickey and Sylvia, she played guitar in Mickey and Sylvia. I'm now hearing from her niece that she played bass on all the moments stuff on her label. But more importantly, I've been told that Sylvie Robinson played bass on Rapper's Delight, not Doug Winbush. I will investigate further. But, yeah, I, wow, I, the Hitler rap, I, wow, I won't touch this with a 10-foot pole. I won't touch a 10-foot pole. But you, my friend, have done stellar, stellar work today uh, i i was emotionally preparing myself to be cool i wanted to be like jay-z cool like just like all right what you got for me i damn you you got me good today man 
Questlove, girlfriends. Did you once have a UK girlfriend used to phone long distance and then watch movies like Purple Rain with while you talked to her long distance on the phone? Yeah. I the the very first girl I fell in love with as Questlove. As you know, I hate talking in this like this uh uh Clark Kent Superman mode. But um yeah, she was from South Africa. This is when I first exiled to Europe to London. And um we met and fell in love in a month and then she had to leave because uh she felt that it was her civic duty to go home and vote. Mandela had just been freed and the ANC was running for the position uh, to put him in as president of South Africa. And uh, she went home to go vote. So we were like, so what happens? Like, do we maintain a relationship or not? We maintain a relationship, but man, my business manager was not happy because this is before Skype, before texting. It was like long letters and long ass dis Not long distance, long ass distance. Like, I was the long distance king. And then after that, I said never again. Like, my my bill was, like, close to $100,000. I could have bought a house. And what would you do? You'd both watch Purple Rain at the same time while talking to each other on the phone long distance, the entire movie? We would eat the same dinner. Like, particularly, like, Indian curry was our favorite thing. So we would decide, like, well, you're going to get up 4 in the morning and I watch at 4 in the afternoon? Or am I going to be up at 3 in the morning and sure enough, we'd watch the same movie at the same time, eat the same dinner, but not see each other. And so that was that was my dweebish life all during the Do You Want More project for like two years. We are here in a barber shop. What sort of hair pick do you have right now? I guess people are wondering. Um, to look up this hair pick, I got to – it doesn't have a title. This is all – all I know is patent number – this means that in the United States, this is the 238,000, I'm sorry, the 23rd, 23,882 invention is known by its patent number. Uh, I had to stock up. I have about 5,000 of these. I think left, maybe I have about 2,000. That means throughout the 20 years, I've just given away, most, most of them have gone to roadies. It falls out my hair on stage and then I forget about it. And then when the night's over and they're packing up, hey, I got the Questlove Afro pick. I've looked on eBay and seen a few of them on uh, not for sale, like for like a 25 cent. You can't give them away. Questlove, lastly, lastly, lastly here. When was the last time somebody told you to take off your pants? My ex the other night? I don't know. What? Baboom, I'll sing of the border. Oh my God! Oh, oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, how many times have I got stopped at the Canadian border? Um, yeah, one of one of my one of the worst experiences I've ever had uh, at any border is the Canadian border, uh, which I will say that Vancouver is the lesser of the three evils. I mean, there's there's three evils. There's Toronto. There's Montreal. Montreal is a hell no. Montreal is a maybe. Vancouver is an okay. 
But um, yeah, I, I find it ironic that I mean I can go to all walks of life through all these different places like to Dubai. I can go to in and out of South America. I can go anywhere. I can go to Jersey, which dangerous. But uh, when it comes to coming to Canada, they're just they're just now starting to be very nice to me. But in the beginning, nah, we we would have to go through strip searches. You know, they thought we were a drug cartel. Um, very degrading. One of my greatest uh, Canadian border stories ever is watching Common and Black Thought having to write a 1,000-word essay on how they rehabilitated their criminal lifestyle. Uh, Tariq's criminal lifestyle was due to an unpaid parking ticket that's on his record. Common uh, was caught shoplifting deodorant in ninth grade on their record. So they both had to watch, write kind of Bart Simpson style, like, I will not commit a crime in Canada. I will not commit a crime in Canada. I won't. They had to write a 1,000-word essay sometime in 1999 at the Canadian border. Like, it was, it was degrading. But I still love this country. Well, welcome back to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, Questlove. Sing, sing, sing the, I'm ready. Sing the, sing the refrain. Go ahead. Well, actually, I was going to say, anything else you want to add to the people out there at all? Bump, 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 bump. Almost, Questlove. Keep on rocking in the free world and do do the loot do. <laughs> how'd you carjack my ending that I carjacked from you? And you're still listening to the Nardwar to Human Serviette Radio Show. We heard right there an interview I did with Questlove from the Roots crew from the year 2013. Right now, I thought I would play an interview, a brand new interview from the year 2019 with Questlove and Black Thought of... The Roots Crew on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. Again, an interview from 2019 on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. You ready to do this, man? Hey, Are you ready love. to do this? From the roots. Are you ready to do West this? I've been waiting for this because unless you bring back Billy Holiday and John Coltrane and Prince. And other people have passed from the dead. I can't imagine how you're going to get me this time. Who are you? My name is Questlove of the Roots. Questlove, welcome to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, the Jazz Fest. I appreciate you welcoming me back. I feel like I feel like um, I deserve a special jacket. You know, like Saturday Night Live has a special five times jacket. This is our fourth time together. Yeah, you, you should have a, a, a fourth time uh, jacket. Well, actually, right off the bat, I have a gift for you, Questlove, an original 1969 Dick Gregory poster. 
<laughs> you started already. <laughs> this is awesome. Oh, my God, yo. What's the importance of this poster on Dick Gregory? You love Dick Gregory. Yes, I do. All right, let me show everyone that we're, uh, you know, for those who don't know, Dick Gregory was um, a comedian that used his comedy to for activists during the civil rights era. Um, and then uh, somehow in the 70s, still did comedy, but did more... Um, health-related uh, kind of activism um, because not many in the black community were aware about how to properly care and help themselves. So, however, um, these these are one of his... Uh, this is one of his posters from his era. I, I would assume that this is probably late 60s. 1969. Yes, this is... Uh, After he ran for president. I did not know he ran for president. Really? Okay, you, you, he ran for president? I did not know that Dick Gregory ran for president. Oh, boy. And you are Questlove of the... Roots. And Questlove, I also got a gift. Actually, he's not here right now. You can put that down right there. A sealed... I don't want to put this down. I don't want to preserve it. I'm, I'm going to put this in. Wait, is this... That's for you. Okay, I, yeah. I was, I was say. And this also is for Black Thought, a sealed parliament eight track. Yeah. <laughs> don't forget a Black Thought. Yes, we won't forget Black Thought. I, I, I specifically, I can't wait for him to, for you to interview him so that he can. I don't think he has a clue. He knows of you, but he doesn't know how you roll. But uh, for me, the the eight track, this is the staple. Of my existence, and uh, you love the logo too. Yes, I, I, you know, seventies bands are, 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 are. I mean, you had to have a powerful logo in order to thrive in the seventies, and Parliament had one of the best. This is the clones of Doctor Funkenstein, uh, sealed. No, a sealed clones of Doctor Funkenstein, uh, with notable samples on it, of course. Uh, everyone knows uh, do that stuff, which I mean has been sampled a billions of times, most notably like nice and smooth, funky for you. But uh, also, I think we used uh, uh, Funkin' for fun. It's all right. This is also what's weird about a track uh, tape players is that. Um, they would take the songs out of order. So <laughs> simply because you had to have uh, the right amount of time on each side. So if if you were a conceptualizer trying to figure out, uh, trying to balance an album, the A-track format was the worst thing in the world for you to do. I think the only person that truly stuck to the true format of an A-track tape was Stevie Wonder's songs in the Key of Life. But, you know, on A-track, your last song might be first. Your first song might be the middle, like, yeah, Funkin' for Fun is the last thing on side four, which is hilarious. Uh, we use that for Commons, cold-blooded on, like, Water for Chocolate. And that's a gift for Black Thought. You're going to give it to him in, in momentarily. Well, I thought it would be here, so that's for him. He he will be here. I, I might steal this from him, so I'm going to give this back to you so you can give this to him. Uh, okay, maybe you can hold on to it. Oh, oh I, I, Yeah, okay, I will take it back just in case. And I was wondering, Questlove, the Watts Prophets rapping in 1971. Could you explain rapping in a white world? Yes, the Watts Prophets, uh, kind of the a, a counterpart, a counterpart to uh, the Last Poets. Um, Hip-hop culture has always been here. Um, not just when you start rapping, you know, party rocking a crowd, but pretty much... There have been a lot of uh, these types of records. Um, most what about the word rapping in 71? 
I believe uh, is this the album with rapping black, rapping black, rapping. Yeah, this is uh, Digable Planet sampled this for their second album. But uh, yeah, rapping black is one of the one of their most notable songs. Also, uh, in my very short career as a journalist, um, the Watts Prophets were my very first interview for Rap Pages back in 1997. This is amazing. Going way back, Questlove, I wanted to ask you about the Lord, the Lord Akil. What can you say about the Lord? <laughs> Here you go, man. Oh, God. All right, Darboy. You, 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 you did it. All right. <laughs> All right, so we had a collective. This is what you should be asking, Tariq. Um, so the Roots had a collective um, called the Foreign Objects, and... Um, we were, we, we kind of, I guess during our days of busking on South Street, uh, busking would be, uh, you know, those people that you see like play in the subways and by the bus station for change. Um, that's how the Roots got our start, Philadelphia busking. And so the more we did that, the more we started to gather kind of a family collective. And we called them the Foreign Objects. So I believe that Lord I Kill actually got to the finish line before the Roots did, so... Right before the Roots finished our first album, Organics, I think Lord I Kill's EP came out maybe three months ahead of time. And um, this, is from the, this is from the video. Check it out. You on drums. I'm on drums. Yeah. Yeah. This is <laughs> a DJ Ran production. Uh, yes. A DJ Ran production. World famous Philadelphia uh, who, who really supported the Roots when we uh, first came out. DJ Ran. Yes. Questlove, you love doo-wop, don't you? Of course I love doo-wop, because my dad's a doo-wop pioneer. Kwasov, what can you say about this record right here? The Clover's Cock... Cocksucker's Ball. <laughs> From 1954. Yo, how did you get this? But what do you think about the Clover's in 1954? <laughs> they were, if, 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 if the parental advisory... Uh, all right, the parental advisory stickers that you see on records, um, of course, <laughs> one of the many pioneering things that Prince did was uh, scare the bejesus out of uh, uh, Tipper Gore, wife of uh, Al Gore, our environmental uh, president, or not president, uh, vice president Al Gore. Anyway, um, Tipper Gore started a, uh, started a committee to... The PRMC. The PRMC to sticker records. Basically, uh, her daughters brought the Purple Rain soundtrack, and when Darling Nikki came on and the line about masturbating came on, you know, she was sort of like, Arr! and so she started the PMRC. But um, the Clovers and the Cocksuckers Ball, it was a, it was a, uh, a really dope a cappella song uh, about... <laughs> People love to suck. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> this came out in 1954, way ahead of its time. So this is this is what you would call a party record or a blue record. You know, there were some novelty records um, in the 70s. Uh, Blowfly did some stuff, um, but basically, this is you know, this was whew, this was pushing the envelope in 1954. They could have got arrested for this. Questlove, I was curious. The Philly, New York rap connection. What can you say about this record on Word Up? Wow. Wow. Okay. 
So Word Up Records um, is a subsidiary of Pop Art Records. Um, what's really weird is, you know, that term, they could have been a contender. He could have been a contender. So there are two brothers from Philadelphia, the Goodman brothers, Lawrence Goodman um, and ah, I forget the other Goodman brother. Anyway, so these guys started Pop Art Records. And weird enough is they were Def Jam before Def Jam. Just check out their 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 roster. At one point, these these guys had, before they were all famous, they had Salt and Pepper, they had MC Shan. Come in. What's happening right now, Questlove? I don't know. It's oh God, it's Black Thought. <laughs> Come over, Black Thought. Black Thought. Welcome to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Thanks, Nardwar. What's up? The Jazz Fest. Yes, yeah, yep. And right beside you, you have a gentleman. Who is right beside you? This is my brother. It's Questlove. Questlove? What can you say about Black Thought? <laughs> uh, probably the greatest wordsmith living. And what can you say about Questlove, Black Thought? Uh, probably the, the greatest living drummer. And I just asked Questlove about the Word Up New York Philly Rap Connection LP from 1987. Do you know anything about that record? I think I do. Like, let me see the songs on there. So, it's, yeah, Roxanne Shante. Oh, yeah, yeah. This was, um, this was, uh, you know, this was like, this is uh, early Philadelphia, New York sort of hip hop. A lot of these new, a lot of iconic, or a lot of artists who went on to sort of become iconic uh, New York legends began um, as you know, being associated with the Philly label, with these guys who had a label called Pop Art in Philly. So basically, Lawrence Goodman started the Def Jam before Def Jam started, like Salt and Pepper, Marley Maul, Roxanne Shante, Biz Marquis, uh, MC Shan. Uh, cool C, three times dope, like they. I, oh, Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. So basically, the Goodman brothers started Word Up Records and and Pop Art Records, and really could have had a hold. They were the first to also get a major distribution before Def Jam. They were on Jive Records, um, so they could have been they could have been a contender. And I also wanted to ask you guys about ice cream tea. What can I say about ice cream tea? Yo. She's a Philly legend, you know. Ice Cream T was, uh, you know, she was our uh, she was our MC Light, I guess. She was, uh, she was like, you know, part MC Light. She was MC Light meets Roxanne Shante, I guess. With the and her producer was Jazzy J. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guys, I, I, ain't I, nothing but trouble. Yes, I I forgot she did the the yeah, the yeah, like the, the answer, the answer yeah. record to Girls Ain't Nothing But Trouble. Actually. Uh, to be continued was my jam. That new revolution, like oh raps, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah this yeah, was yeah. this was a slept on record, but I uh, can't hold back. That was also like her single from this record, but um, her DJ, uh, uh, yeah, DJ Miz, yeah, world supremacist at one point, but you know another Philly legend, you know, like DJ Miz is up there with you know uh, uh, Jazzy Jeff and 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 DJ Cash Money and Spin Bad and you know. Like he's uh, his sharpness and skill level, you know, he's he's to be mentioned in that in that conversation. And Black Thought of the Roots also should be mentioned. And I have a gift for you: a sealed Parliament. That's for you. A sealed Parliament eight track. Thank you. Thanks so much, man. Uh, you love the eight tracks, don't you? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I grew up, you know, rocking out with eight tracks in my mom's uh, component set. You know, we had like the hi fi that. 
looks like a, a dresser. You lift the lid up, and there was a record player and an A-track inside. Are you a collector scum? Will you undo the sealed part of this? No, I'm probably not going to undo the seal. <laughs> I was curious, speaking of 8-tracks, what can you say about this 8-track right here? You have This Is Madness on 8-track? Wow. <laughs> Yo, this is crazy. I never knew that, one, I never knew that uh, The Last Poets were distributed on, on Columbia Records. And two, uh, I never, wow, how did you find this? Well, you are Questlove The Roots. We have to know. We have to find it. Yo, dude, you even have, yo, my dad used to get so mad if I lost these, like, after we listened to it in the car. Yeah. Yeah, you would have to put this on top of there to guard the tape. And I've spent many a times, like, Fixing tapes because my dad wouldn't purchase another one at all. Complimentary with the watts, the watts profits. Yes, yes. So this is the this is the this is the yin to watts profits yang. And I was also going to ask you guys quickly about these Philly joints right here, Philly Throwback Volume One and Volume Two. Oh, ease back and let it hit you. There, John Doe. Um, John Doe. That was uh wasn't that that was Densky. Yeah. Uh, iconic Philly uh graffiti artist like a legend who um remember he performed at our uh our, our at that signing party, party. yeah. <laughs> yeah, he did our sign. Where'd you get this? How'd you find this? Philly throwback. <laughs> two cannon. All right, I, I Wow, yeah, two cannon. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy, man. Like these are names from like you know. Task Force, yeah, like you know, performing at at Rap Underground North. So these these are all the groups that like the Roots came up with yeah. in the early nineties, ninety one, ninety two, doing like all these uh, showcases in Philly. Wow. 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 <laughs> Another group I want to ask you about a bit later: the Divine oh, Beings. Man. Your connection. Yeah, well, around the same time, you know uh, that we. Ran with lots of these artists. Um, I met this guy, um, and you know they were in a group. This is this is uh, my brother, Air Smooth, Sean White, um, who's now you know he's he's passed away. Rest in power. This is his uh, his counterpart in the Divine Beings, um, Andrea the Great. But I met them, you know, back then doing those uh, showcases, you know, Rap Underground North and and the likes. Yeah, it's crazy. Wow, funky ultimatum. Yeah. Is it spelled correctly? They, yeah, they had a they like what they had they were on Warner Brothers, right? That's right. This is their major label debut. Yes. What do you think Black thought about hip hop drumming? Um, what do I think about hip hop drumming? Yeah, when it comes to hip hop drumming, like this is your this is sort of your 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 man, you know what I mean? Questlove, I was curious, hip hop drumming goes back. Pumpkin, the outlaw four. What can it say? Wait a minute. Wow. <laughs> Yo, no one can find this joint. Wow. How'd you find this? All right, Pumpkin is the original Questlove. He's he's the the band leader of the All Stars. Yeah, of the of, of the first hip hop house group for Enjoy Records. But he also, yo, how did you? Where did you find this? You guys are the roots. We have to find it. Yeah, this Yo, is, uh, man, come on. This is memory lane. But actually, hip-hop drumming continues on. Ryman and rapping, Paulette and Tanya. 
Uh, Winley, yeah. I think uh, Tanya Winley's father was Paul Winley, who owned... Paul Winley was uh, the first entrepreneur, I guess, to to sort of market or license breakbeats so that DJs could spin them. So before the Ultimate Beats and Break series came out in 1986, like sometime in 1984, he would just make a... Uh, this is like the, the, the soul hip-hop k the original KTL records. For but that record actually is around the same time of King Tim. It could be one of the first oh, rap, rap records rap. ever. Yeah, um, I think Diamond D uh, sampled this on uh, the very beginning of Best Kept Secret, that siren that you hear at the oh, beginning. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes, this is from that record. Wow. And you have a 12-inch. That's crazy because no one can find the 12-inch, only on the compilation album. Hip-hop drumming. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh, and the Harlem Underground Band, which um, for a brief second, George Benson was a part of that. Yes. The infamous smoking Chiba Chiba break. Hey, bro, what's happening, brother? And I was curious, what do you guys think about these records right here that we have? Akeem the Dream. Akeem the Dream. Akeem Olajuwon made a rap record? Yep, 27 words. That's crazy. Wait a minute. When? Ooh, with the Etonics on the back. That is crazy. What have the Etonics sneakers? Look, what do you think about sports figures like Allen Iverson doing records? Um, you know, some sports figures, uh, you know, were were better than others. Um, Iverson, he had he had some bars. I believe. As did, uh, didn't the NBA make him like stop making yeah, this yeah, record? Yeah, this never came out. This, this has to stop. <laughs> there, there was Shaq. There was Kobe. I was on records with both those guys. And also, there are the, the white, white boys. boys. What can you say about the white boys? Wow. I remember uh, the single that Lady B used to play in Philly, but they were like, hey, hardcore, is it not? Before third base, this was like the group that was like, uh, we're going to differentiate ourselves and not be a cartoon rap group. So I guess the, the pushback from License to Ill selling 12 million spawned off a bunch of... Yeah, this is that, the, 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 the white boys were the trickle down. Did you ever play with them? Um, I, I, I did. I don't know. Did we play with them? And we don't know. I feel like maybe we did. Well, I'm looking. I'm reading the credits right now. Um. Well, well, speaking of records, what do you think, Questlove, about interview records like Angela Davis as an interview record? I, okay, you really got me now because I never knew this album came out. So literally, just she did a record, a Q and A with just. Do you have many interview records? Have you done a Roots interview record? I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like it's a loaded question. Uh, you, you tell me. No, I, we have not done them. I collect them, but I have not done them. But I never knew this existed. Whoa, you did your homework, man. Well, you guys are the Roots. We have to. And I was curious. This record right here, winding up here with Questlove and Black Thought of the Roots, you have an autographed <laughs> copy of that. <laughs> Believe it. Every right. word is true. Uh, yeah, all right, you caught me. I got this record, man. An autograph copy. This is your autograph? No, you have an autograph copy. Yes, yes, I was going to say, yeah, I, I have an autograph copy of Mr. T's Commandments, I, I hate to say. He performed this on Soul Train. Now, what I find is fascinating is pull out the insert, and what do you see on the insert? If you pull out the insert right there, what do you see I've highlighted? Uh, oh, Afri uh, Ice-T wrote this rhyme? <laughs> <laughs> Back when he was Ice T E A. 
And who did the turntables? Of course, Africa Islam. Islam was rocking the jam. Whoa. So you could get it signed by Ice-T. That is crazy. And I'm sure there's other... Wait, Andre Crouch is on this record? All right, yeah, I'm certain if I could go... <laughs> and Questlove, I have a gift for you, because you love you love the kids' books, don't you? We have like an E.T., a Gremlin book, don't you? Yes, I, I collect many pop culture items, and I'm dying to see what you... And you, from Philly, I have something for you, a sealed Rocky record. Wait, where did this come from? Kid stuff. <laughs> you have like an E.T. and a Gremlins record, and now you have a Rocky so there's this is Rocky three told in kid story form. <laughs> Yo, man. Dude, man, come on. This is some cool stuff, man. You uh, from Philly? Yeah, yeah. Did you see T from Philly? I mean, yeah. When they were filming Rocky three, yeah. Uh, I have not. I've seen uh, Rocky two being filmed. Yo, this is crazy. And winding up here, just I wanted to ask you guys about right here, DJ Cheese, word of mouth. Do you want to think about DJ Cheese? See, uh, if you're pulling up the skills story, what I'm thinking is DJ Cheese, I'm hearing that DJ Cheese was the original uh, DJ on Run DMC's Here We Go, that Jam Master J was late. Thus, them rhyming, them rhyming with the DJ cheese. Oh, right. wow. Give him a shout out. Like, Jay was late or caught a flat to that gig or whatever, so DJ Cheese just went back and forth. They're wearing a Sixers jerseys. Yes. And I also think that DJ Cheese is um, the guy that battled Jazzy Jeff um, in the, the very first World Supremacy DMC uh, battle, I believe. But I know that DJ Cheese is is a pioneering DJ. And he did turntables for Z3 MCs from Baltimore, 1985. Wow. Dude. You got me, man. You know your stuff. This is overkill. (laughs) You got me. Well, winding up here, who was Barbara on Soul Train? Uh, there's two Barbara. Cuban Barbie. It's a mystery, isn't it? Barbara, the Cuban Barbie. She was a twerker on Soul Train. <laughs> period. Uh, kind of like the last era. See, I'm a little spotty on. I'm I'm a little spotty on post '93 Soul Train when it changed. And lastly, here Roots. I was curious, just to completely change the subject. What do you think about PKO from San Antonio? Some coke, some guns, some weed, and some turntables. 1989. Okay, what label is this on? I think they put out themselves. Is there a notable figure on this record that I don't know about? No, I just meant it's an amazing cover, isn't it? Yeah, that's that's. Is that the same cover? That public, in, like, let, let me see. This is kind of their version yeah. of, <laughs> of, version of, like, of You're Gonna the, Get the Yours. Posse. Yeah, this is their version of You're Gonna Get Yours, which I think back then, three cars, whoever was funding you, their three cars uh, was your thing. But literally, okay, what's the calculator doing on? That's what I want to know. Why is the calculator on the turntable? That's the, that's the most oddest thing. Not even the bong, not the guns, not the coke. But the calculator. This came out when? 85. That was 89 from San Antonio. Oh, okay. 
And actually, in 94, there was some great hip-hop stuff. In 94, this came out. The Hose with Attitude Calendar. <laughs> this was Easy's group, correct? Yes. Take a gander through that. I remember this notably because this is the first time I've ever seen an album get one mic in the source and it causing an uproar with Eazy-E and his relationship with the source afterwards. In retrospect, the photos look, yeah, kind of tasteful. <laughs> yeah, these, this, this is what we call tasteful. And winding up here, Roots, I was curious, lastly here, what do you think about the tradition of The Tonight Show? The records put out by Doc and... Kevin Eubanks. This has a sample on it. Um, okay, I just recently found out one of these Doc Severinsen's records is uh, Wu Gambino's from the Wu-Tang Clan. Doc Severinsen has about five samples on his uh, in his collection. So a lot of people would think that you're getting corny Doc Severinsen, but no, he had like mad. This was his disco period. I think this came out in like 77. This is actually a good record. There's like uh, some Camp Lewis samples on this joint. Um, I've not heard the Kevin Eubanks. This is during his tonight period or pre tonight, '89 before he was the the band leader. So this means about- I have to come up with the record, right? Like for my Tonight Show. Yeah. What do you think about those records, Black Thought? I mean, I haven't heard them, but it's you know it was crazy. Uh, I'm, it's super interesting to hear that. Have you met these guys? Yeah, yeah. Both yeah. of them have sat in with us uh, during our reign on the Tonight Show. Yeah, there's been an official passing of the baton. So you have some covers to do. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Uh, I'll have Tariq style me for mine because uh, yeah, he's rocking the Jabos here. You know, Paganos. 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 The, the cheese steak, please. <laughs> <laughs> now you just throw it out. <laughs> you just, we got cheesesteak in there too. <laughs> this is great, man. Um, I think we have to get ready. Like our, our dude, our monitor guys. Uh. Yes, it is time for us to rock. Well, thank you very much, Questlove and Black Thought. Anything else you want to add to the people out there? Um, we appreciate you, man. Thanks, you know, for for everything that you do. The obviously very much work and research went into this, and preparation went into this. Uh, yeah, this interview. So thank you guys. And thank you also, Questlove. How close was I to Barack Obama? You actually tried to link me up. How close was I to Barack Obama? You almost had it, but he didn't. He didn't want to do any interviews that time. So I tried, but you know, don't give up. Keep keep hope alive. You know, you gotta give him the last word though. Say it to him. Why should people care about the roots? No. Why should people? You sign off. You sign off. Well, thank you very much, Questlove and Black Thought of the Roots. Keep on rocking in the free world and do do loot do. Uh, shaving the hair. Yeah, shaving the hair. Oh, do do. Yeah! <laughs> it took me 12 times to do that. Okay. And he's going to freeze there. So, walk away. Yeah, okay, dope. This is, this is dope. He's just going to freeze. Sweet. <laughs>
anywhere, at school or from a friend. Just because he thinks it's cool don't mean you have to trust him. You're okay the way you are. Learn to like yourself. Time. 